want to begin by talking about something which I've just found fascinating as I've been preparing for this talk. Redwoods, they are amazing. They are the biggest trees in the world. Some are over 2,000 years old and some over 300 feet high. They grow so huge, you can drive a camper van through the trunk. The tallest is 380 feet, that's the height of Big Ben, with a couple of houses balanced on top. You might think that such tall trees would need extremely long roots, and they do. But a strange fact about redwoods is that their roots don't go very deep, usually just going down about 5 to 12 feet. They grow sideways, extending up to 100 feet from the trunk, so a root pattern of 200 feet. And their root network is as substantial as other trees, but it's focused sideways rather than downwards. We might ask, why? That doesn't sound as strong as other root patterns, does it? But there's an explanation. Redwoods need incredibly strong roots to support their enormous size. And the crucial ingredient is this. They don't grow alone. They thrive in thick forests where the roots of each tree intertwine with others and even fuse together, creating a vast network of support just below the surface. This gives them tremendous strength against the forces of nature and the wildest of storms. Uh, these trees hold each other up. Their stability and strength lies in their being connected to others. As I got further into researching trees and their roots for this talk, I was struck by the parallels between trees and people. For instance, I didn't know that trees which grow in clumps constantly communicate with each other through what is known as the wood wide web, a network of fungi that, that grow in and around the roots. It's thought that older, well-established trees use this network to provide younger seedlings who may not be able to get adequate sunlight because they're in their shade, provide them with sugars and nutrients, helping them to thrive. And some trees that lose their leaves in winter work together with trees that don't to mutually share nutrients depending on the season. Trees are also, they use this root system to communicate with each other, sending chemical warnings to their neighbors about potential threats like insect attacks. It just is simply amazing what is going on under your feet as you walk through a forest. Two weeks ago, we began our series on rootfulness by looking at being rooted in our relationship with the Lord, being rooted in Christ. If you missed that, I really would encourage you to watch it or listen to it online. Today, we're going to look at what it means to be rooted together. So much has changed this year for all of us. You know, we are not able to meet physically as we used to in large or small settings. We've had to get used to engaging with church online. And perhaps in this time, you found yourself maybe tuning in a bit less frequently or you've got the Sunday service on in the background while you're busying yourself with doing some other things. 
many of us ex have experienced this fatigue, uh, the new sort of phenomenon called Zoom fatigue. I know that I have. I know that just exhausted at the end of a day, back to back with virtual meetings. And with Zoom being the primary way that small groups are meeting, some of you may be finding maybe your attendance has begun to slip a bit and you're just thinking, I cannot face just another Zoom call. For some, the disruption to serving has uh, taken away a lifeline. You know, doing something with a team of others once or twice a month really has connected you relationally. And while having a slightly less full diary, perhaps on one level, has been a welcome change, you've missed that routine connection. If you're one of those who found the restrictions COVID has brought distancing you from others, you might have even begun to ask yourself questions. Questions like, what's the point? What is the point of church? I miss it, but, you know, I think I've done okay just tuning into the service every now and then. I miss some of my friends and my, at my small group, but I've got used to, you know, having my evenings at home. I seem to have done all right over the last seven months, being less connected with others. Why do I need church? There are so many ways in which being a part of the church benefits us and it benefits others. And it would take too long to even list them. So in the time that we have today, I can only really answer that by focusing in on one area. Throughout the Bible, there are many uh, different descriptions or pictures of the church, one of the most powerful of which is that of a family, a family that cares for one another, a family who are stronger together because they're vitally connected and their lives are intertwined with each other. And just as the roots of trees work together to support each other, especially in times of adverse weather conditions, adverse conditions, they share resources, they help each other. The church, functioning as God designed it, does the same. God's plan for his church is that everyone would find a home, would find a loving community, where we would extend ourselves to meet the needs of others and others would extend themselves to meet our needs. The church is not a social club, it's a family, and it is a family for everyone. David wrote in Psalm 68, God sets the lonely in families. No one should be lonely, no one should be isolated. Life is not a solo sport, and even the most independent of us have found this time hard. You know, being separated from loved ones, not being able to meet, uh, you know, meet up with our friends in the way that we used to. Maybe working from home means we're separated from colleagues and from our church family as well. One article described the double pandemic, COVID-19 and social isolation. The Bible encourages us to appreciate our church family. For instance, the Apostle Peter, he wrote uh, a couple of letters to Christians in the first century who were dispersed far more than we are. His readers were scattered across the whole of modern-day Turkey. If we think we have it hard not meeting together physically, how hard is it for them? 
Scattered as they were, the Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2.17, love the family of believers. You may be dispersed, but you're a family. Love each other. The Apostle Paul, similarly, he wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 9, Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet, we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. While the church's central location was the city of Thessalonica in Greece, there were evidently believers spread over an area about a hundred miles from there, as he refers here to all of God's family throughout the whole region, the region of Macedonia. As spread out as they were, Paul indicates that he hardly needs to mention they're loving each other because they were already doing it. Both Peter and Paul are saying that when we become part of God's family, a natural response is to love and care for that family. Someone said, to love God is to love one another. Paul is commending them for their love, but he doesn't leave it there. He says, keep going, keep loving each other. And there is the same encouragement for us today. When we are rooted in the church, we are rooted in a family. And in the same way that intertwined roots of trees provide each other with precious nutrients needed to thrive and support each other through the toughest of times, we're called to something similar. Thomas, who lives alone, wrote early in lockdown saying this, I recently told my small group leaders that I was feeling isolated. Apart from picking up my paper first thing and doing my daily exercise, I'm only leaving my house to go to and from work. When my small group heard this, some members drove from their houses a good 10 miles away from where I live with some homemade meals which all I needed to do was put into a microwave to help at the end of a shift. Plus, I had a video chat with my leaders and their family as they ate their evening meal. It was so nice to interact with them and their children. Another small group delivered an arrangement of flowers and what's called a hug in a box to someone who in their group had just been bereaved. And she then messaged the group to say this, I'm more than speechless. I never really understood the bond of a small group until recently and how much of a warm feeling I have knowing I am supported and cared for. It has completely overwhelmed me. Jenny's mum passed away at the beginning of lockdown and because of the restrictions in place, she was unable to visit her before she died. And her children were unable to attend the funeral. A friend from church not only looked after the girls all day, so Jenny and her husband Alex could attend the funeral, but at the time of the service, after the, uh, excuse me, at the time of the service, they took time to pray and read Psalm 23 together, which was being read at the service. The family were flooded with supportive texts, flowers, cards, and gifts during this time. Someone organized food to be delivered to their home. Jenny's children were even sent gifts and cards from Trent Youth and Trent Kids with messages of support. The lockdown meant that Jenny was unable 
sadly, to spend time with her friends or to be hugged and comforted physically. But all this helped them know that people were standing with them in their time of grief. And Jenny said, I would use the word family, knowing that people were thinking of us and caring for us. We can weather the storms of life so much easier, so much more effectively when we are intertwined with others, when we are joined together in community. That's one of the beauties of the church, that we are all so much stronger together in so many ways. We're stronger together, not just within the local church, but as one church across the nations. Debbie and I are connected with church leaders from every denomination in the UK, and we meet often a few times a year and share the encouragements and the challenges of church leadership in the safety of trusting relationships. A few weeks ago, Debbie mentioned the Prayer Shield UK, brought together by our friend Pastor Agu from Jesus House in London. 365 Christian leaders from across the denominations have contributed a two-minute prayer, one for each day of the year. It began on the 1st of October. And I'm enjoying watching them daily on Instagram. They just come up. Uh, you can also access them and even more material at theprayershield.uk. It is beautiful to see and enjoy the, the huge diversity of skin colors and styles of prayer from the breadth of the body of Christ in unity. Our roots intertwine with churches far and wide. The reality is, in challenging times like these, some may drift away from the church, may drift away even from the Lord. And it's really important that we remember the encouragement from the writer of the book of Hebrews, writing to early Jewish believers who were facing all sorts of disruption and hardship. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. It is so important in times of disruption that we do all we can to stay together. My dad taught me how to play chess, uh, but I, I never did it very well. I then taught my sons, and both of them, I spoke to them this week, they admit to not being very good at the game. Some of you who play chess will understand what I mean when I say that, that when we've played, we tend to finish with the frustration of what is called stalemate instead of checkmate, because neither of us are good enough to work out in those last few moves how to actually win. My friend Jay Pethick, a vineyard pastor from Colorado, he shared a great chess analogy which speaks into what we're experiencing with restrictions on meeting together. He said, in the game of chess, the queen is the most powerful piece on the board. It can do almost everything that every other piece can do. Apparently, Jay said, the best way to teach someone to play chess is to take the queen off the board so that they'll have to learn to use all the other pieces. And this apparently makes them a much stronger player. In this season, the reality is that our queen has been taken off the board. We've not been able to meet physically together. I'm really looking forward to one day being able to use our queen again to gather physically. 
you know, it's been hard not being able to, to do physical services beyond the very small gatherings that we're currently doing. But in this time, I believe there's an invitation to discover or rediscover all the other pieces, to invest in all the other areas in our, our walk with the Lord and also in the expressions of church life. We'll be looking at some of these as the series unfolds. Let me just on, touch on some key areas to remain rooted together. First, even if we don't meet with others physically, let's not give up meeting together using technology. For the vast majority of us, that will mean tuning in online on a Sunday, and I, I would encourage you to try and maintain that routine weekly, or at least joining us as often as you can. And if you can't tune into one of the service times, watch it another time. It's on YouTube. You just search for Trent Vineyard and go to that uh, the most recent service you want to watch. And if you just want to watch the talk, you can, of course, do it on our website. Secondly, it's been wonderful to see just the way that small groups have been supporting each other through this time. And even though it's not possible to physically be together, many small groups are actually thriving. Someone in Ben's small group said this, when all this started, it took some time to get my head around meeting on Zoom with our small group. But now I've got used to it, I've found our Wednesday meetings have really encouraged me and recharged me spiritually. If you're not in a small group, I really would encourage you to visit our website to find out more. Thirdly, serving is one of the ways in which you can invest in being more rooted in the church. Uh, as many of our areas of ministry adapt in this season, serving does look a bit different. A lot of them are not happening. But there is, are still ways to get involved, including, for instance, in the support being offered to students. You can sign up more there via Connect. You can also find out more about serving in our compassion ministries through their link. And fourthly, through giving money. Being rooted together financially enables the church to do all that we do. It makes it possible for the church to thrive in this time of challenge. I'd like to say a huge thank you to those of you who are committed financially, who are giving regularly, and to encourage those of you who are not yet to seriously think about joining us in what God is doing here. Again, the details on how to do this are on the website or through this link. Now, if you didn't catch any of those links, as always, just go to the links link, trentv.org forward slash links. Phil, one of our worship leaders, shared Jay Pathak's analogy, the chess analogy, at a staff gathering recently. And as he did so, he added a further thought. He reminded us that although the queen is the most powerful piece in the game of chess, the game of chess was never about the queen. It was always about the king. That is profound. Christianity was never supposed to be about going to church congregating in a physical place. It's about relationship with God the Father through Jesus. As we explored last time I spoke, our roots are ultimately in Him. More important than being rooted together 
And so much more important than being able to meet physically is being rooted in him. Having said that, the truth is that the two are inextricably linked. To be rooted in Christ involves being rooted together. When we come to Christ, we are simultaneously called to his church and his cause. Christ Jesus, his church, and his mission to extend his kingdom. Now, some may be tempted to prefer perhaps two of the three and think things like this. I'm committed to Christ and his mission, but I'm not so bothered about the church. Or I'm committed to the church and the mission, but I'm not so bothered about my relationship with Jesus. Or I'm committed to Christ and his church, but I haven't really got time to get involved in his cause. But they're like the three legs of a three-legged stool. Just as a stool with two legs will be unstable, will probably fall over, you cannot be a flourishing Christian without all three. We need to be rooted in Christ, rooted together, and committed to his cause, the extending of God's kingdom for the glory of God.